Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello to all my old punk rockers and weird little breweries. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. So happy to be talking to you. So happy to be sharing conversations. One conversation at a time. One human at a time. I feel so lucky to do this. Thanks to everybody who's been supporting the show. Thanks to everybody who supports me when I get out there on the road. ChrisGeth.com is the website. We've got shows coming up in Jersey in July and Brooklyn in August. Oklahoma, Dallas, San Antonio a little later in August, and always more shows being announced along the way, including a very special show in Anaheim, California in September. Keep uh, an eye out for that one. Keep your ears open for that. Okay, this week's call is, it's a really tough one. It's, it's a, I think a lot of our listeners would agree. One of the topics that is still so stigmatized especially in the United States, is fertility. It is something that we don't talk about enough. It's something that a lot of people deal with hardship and pain in relation to, but we are trained to keep it quiet and not say much and keep it hidden. And this caller is pushing back against that so hard in this call. Tells us about what this journey was like. Tells us about that stigma. Tells us about people's opinions. Tells us about people who say hurtful things without realizing it. Tells us about costs. Tells us about the judgment of not just people in her personal life, even medical people. It's it's a really raw, honest look at an experience that a lot of people go through that can be quite difficult, but that's still hard to talk about. Personally, I think it shouldn't be. I think it's one of the stigmas that we have to tear down. I think this caller is doing her part to see that happen. It's a tough call. It's not always easy, but this caller's really brave for going to a place where a lot of people are trained not to go. And I have a feeling, sadly, there's going to be a lot of people out here who identify with this one. Much love to everybody who's in that boat. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Oh my goodness. This is actually Chris. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm having one of those stretches where I've had a bunch of nights where I couldn't sleep. And then it becomes that thing where you start to get nervous about what if I have another night where I don't sleep? And then you just can't sleep. I'm going on day eight of that. So that's where I'm at. So I'm feeling real loose. Real loose is the answer. Yeah, that is... Out of a lot of days of not sleeping great, I don't recommend it. I'm one of those people that if I lay down to go to sleep, I fall asleep right away. 
oh, see, now I'm just going to wake up at four in the morning again tonight and I'm going to get mad at you thinking about you saying that. <laughs> but, so, as you get many of us, I'm a therapist, so I actually help people fall asleep a lot of times. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, th thanks for what you do. They'll um, talk to me about their lack of sleep and I don't actually relate all that much, but I can usually help them. So, but like sleep's important. Well, lack of sleep and a lot of other mental stuff, there's a, there's very often a chicken and an egg situation there, right? Of like, is your anxiety compounded by your lack of sleep or is, or is it causing your lack of sleep? But either way, they don't help each other. They do not. No, they all go hand in hand. Yeah. And so like, and then you get to that point where, yeah, sleep isn't great, but it's sometimes just being in the same place, remembering that yesterday you didn't sleep here and purposely getting out of bed so that you're not in the same place. Yeah. Because then it turns into the bed is the place you're not sleeping. Yeah, it's bad. And then I tell you, I, we have this very comfortable couch and I used to go out on the couch and I would fall asleep on the couch. And then my wife pointed out yeah. to me, my wife pointed out to me, it stinks you're not sleeping, but also there's no sheets on that couch and you sweat when you sleep. So you can't, you can't be just messing up our couch with your sleep sweat. And I had to admit that she was correct. Sleep sweat is uh, disgusting, but like everybody does it. Yeah. Yeah. I also have, I listen, there's a podcast called The Civil War and I find mm -hmm. it very soothing and I will often fall asleep to it. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before, but I put it on. There's some violin music and some gentle like guitar, maybe mandolin strumming. And usually now it's like Pavlovian. If I hear that intro music, I will pass out. So that helps. But then sometimes my wife will come into the room and it's a civil war podcast. So it's this, it's this guy, every episode starts the same. It's this guy. He's like, hi, I'm Richard. Yeah. And then, and then his partner jumps in and she's like, and I'm Tracy. Thanks for listening y'all. And then it'll be like, welcome to episode 681. I mean, they did over a year's worth of episodes just on Gettysburg, but sometimes my wife will come in the oh, room wow. and I'll be passed out of sleep. And it'll be these two gentle people talking about like uh, some Confederate general having his legs sawed off be below the knee during the middle of a battle. And she's like, you're, this is twisted that this is your sleep podcast. And it's like people getting <laughs> hit by cannonballs in the chest. It's wild. It's wild. I mean, but you're sleeping, so you're not really hearing it all. No. Unless you think everything filters in. I mean, if your dreams all of a sudden start being like Civil War-esque, you might need a new podcast. That's only happened a couple times. But I swear, if anybody else listens to this, I almost feel bad because I think their numbers are probably really jacked up just from me falling asleep to their podcast and letting episodes run. Like, they're like, wow, somebody out there has listened to, uh, has <laughs> listened to the Siege of Vet Vicksburg episode seven 180 times. It's like, no, it's, I've fallen asleep to it 180 nights. <laughs> so if Richard and Tracy ever hear this, thank you. No, I was going to say, so we have a Peloton and they have meditations. And uh, my husband and I joke about this because it's like, so he, he'll try to, he'll get into the meditations every once in a while. And you'll see like all these people who finished the meditation because it put them to sleep. And now they're just sleeping with the app still up. And it's like two or three hours later. And so there's like 60 people just sleeping on it. 
Yeah. It's the same thing. Like it's, yeah, but it is sleep meditation. So, I mean, it sort of like goes together. So that always, yeah, that was always my thing. I understand meditation is very healthy and has a lot of positive effects, but I always fall asleep because I'm always tired. Yeah. Meditation is one of those things that in my brain, I think doesn't just, I, my, my inner voice during meditation is very, um, it makes me laugh a lot. I'll think of the stupidest things that make me laugh. And so like the one time I did yoga, I'm sitting there trying not to laugh out loud. I don't remember what I was thinking about, but it was just one of those moments where you're just sort of like, all right, this, this might not be the thing for me. So like guided meditations are much better than like regular meditation. But yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm psyched you called. So I also live in New Jersey. And so you talk sometimes about places that I'm like, oh, I know exactly where he's talking about. Oh, I um, love that. Although I don't have, I was going to say that I don't have an overly Jersey accent, you know, like North Jersey or like parts of South Jersey have their own accent. Yeah. And it's at like North North, like Bergen. But um, I was at what you called the strangest i think it was the strangest show you've ever done a comedy at more recently it was recently yeah hmm and it was in jersey yes what narrows it down quite a lot (laughs) well i do a lot of strange shows in jersey um it wasn't at the vegan bakery was it that tracks no it was not because that was a great show. My friends at my friends at Cat's Luck Vegan in Neptune City. Check them out. Great people. Great vegan fare. Where else have I done? Oh wait a second. Let's see. It wasn't the one. It wasn't Art House Jersey City. That was a good show. What was it? What show was it? So it's Twin. What is it? Twin Ellison and Chatham. Oh, the brewery with all the old punk rockers. Yes, it was such. It was a really great show. Hey, look at that great show by your guy, Chris. Looks to me like if you're going, hey, I'd like to see Chris live someday. ChrisGeth.com for info on tall touring and tickets. And squeeze a plug in, squeezed in a plug. You know what? If we're doing plugs anyway, let's get to the advertisements. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Thanks to everybody who advertises on the show. Now let's get back to the phone call. So it's Twin, what is it, Twin Ellison and Chatham? Oh, the brewery with all the old punk rockers. Yes, it was such, it was a really great show. <laughs> and it's like all this music and like you at the end. <laughs> well, let me put it out there. So when I was a teenager, it happened to be a time in Jersey. Jersey in general, there's always these waves of a music scene. It's been going on for decades. And it kind of like, you know, there was like the big emo scene that you saw Midtown and Thursday and My Chemical Romance come out of Jersey. And, you know, then there was the punk phase that was the ergs kind of leading into screaming females. And 
Titus Andronicus, the front bottoms, that whole era, you kind of saw them all linked together. And um, I was, I came of age in high school when there was this scene that a lot of people called NJPP, North Jersey Pop Punk. And it was a very strong scene. And it was a lot of local bands and people in North Jersey cared about it greatly. And a bunch of the artists from those bands all started, all showed up at this brewery and they covered each other's sets. And they have all found out that when I was a kid, I was at all those shows. Um, so they had me close it out with a comedy set. And I was able to really, I mean, to be able to do crowd work specifically about Gabe from Humble Beginnings or Lane Meyer's cover of of a U2 song. It was just a joy, a joy. So did you come out just for the comedy um, or di- or were you a fan of those bands as well? So I didn't know those bands, but I have a group of friends who knew some of them and um, are just like one of my friends in particular is kind of in, in the music, although he's not doing anything right now uh, that I know. <laughs> you never know. Um, and so they knew some of them. So I went with them. I was more interested in hearing you, but I think they didn't know you as well. So they were more interested in the band, probably. Love it. What a good And then funny thing, <laughs> my one friend wound up like getting really, really sick. And it's like, I just got to go home, guys. Like, I'm just feeling terrible in the middle of it. Not related to any of the music, but just like feeling sick. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, hope you feel better. But like, yeah, it was a... Uh, just what we ate beforehand. So this will out me to them, obviously. But what we ate beforehand was, um, oh, what's the name of the place? It's a place in Chatham that has... The chicken. Um, the hot chicken. Yeah. I yeah. knew you were yeah. going to say the hot chicken place. What's it? Not Nanking? <laughs> Nanking yeah. hot chicken? And that was the first time I had it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty <laughs> spicy, I will say. And I got like a non-spicy one, too. So really tasty, though. That that place came around after I gave up meat, but people flip out for that spicy chicken out there in Chatham. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm so sorry your friend ate spicy chicken and got horrific diarrhea and couldn't see me do comedy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I assume it was diarrhea. We didn't really discuss that part because, you know, some things are, are better left not said. So. <laughs> well, all, all signs point to... <laughs> yes, probably. But, you know, sometimes less is more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good thing he's anonymous, too. <laughs> yes. Although I'm glad, that, I'm glad that you're making him sweat. I'm glad that <laughs> if he ever hears this, he's going to be sweating it out of, like, are people going to figure out this was me? Listen, you're not the only person who's ever eaten spicy chicken and gotten horrific diarrhea and had to leave a punk rock show, okay? It's happened to the best of us. <laughs> yeah. Of course, because that's that's the MO of everybody, leaving early, basic chicken diarrhea. Well, if people left early for that show, they missed me having just a real joyous meltdown, just a complete meltdown (laughs) full of joy. I think you can vouch for me. It was a good show. You had a lot of, I mean, because it was, was, yeah, very specific because, you know, this is your area. I mean, maybe not specifically Chatham, but. Well, listen, I enjoy doing comedy. I have I have a back and forth with the stress of it and if I'm a little too old for it. But I will say, I come to your area, you come out, I work hard to put on a good show. I work hard to make sure people don't waste their time and money. And if you see me in Jersey, almost guaranteed 
that I will abandon material to start doing ultra-specific crowd work about whatever town or area we're in, and I will make it the most ultra-personal show you've ever seen. Anyway, I'll stop plugging myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was a really good show. I appreciated that for sure. Thank you. Thank you for coming and being there. Yeah, it was fun. So, did you did you want to just talk about uh, hot chicken in New Jersey, or was there anything else on the agenda for today? Yeah, so the big part of my life right now. So I got married uh, right before the pandemic started, and since then, my husband and I. So I'm 44, which is a nice uh, geriatric age in the uh, fertility world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this would have been, you know, three years ago. So it'd have been, you know, 40. 41. Um, and so I went into this IVF journey because we just weren't getting pregnant. And, um, the one thing that I said, if I ever got on was like for all women at 35 by 35, talk to you. If you ever plan on having kids, talk to your doctor because the world makes it seem like women can have kids until like fifties. And while that might be true, it might not be having the child the way you were planning on it. And so we did IUI, which is less invasive. And then they do IVF where they actually go in and like the best term I ever heard it is like harvest your eggs. Um, And so we went through that. And because of age I am, I don't produce a lot because I'm old and my numbers are crappy. And so we did a number of retrievals. I think I did a total, I'm going to say 10. I think I stopped counting because it was sort of depressing. Ten retrievals? Yeah. So that is when they purposely, so they, they pump you, you take all these wonderful medications, which are injections, most of them, so that they get the um, body to respond and produce as many eggs as possible. And when the eggs, you get like all this monitoring, which is oh so lovely. Um, and so you go multiple times. And when all, like the, the follicles, because they don't know the exact size of the eggs, but when they're the right size, they trigger you with another medication so that you go under anesthesia and they go in and collect all the eggs from your ovaries. So it's before you release them from the ovaries down into the uterus. Because once they release, they're like all the rest, like only one or two of them will actually continue on down to be able to get pregnant. And so they try to get them before that. And then combine them with, in my case, my husband's sperm to produce embryos, which then can get put back in. And I want to be clear about something too, because I know, you know, I know, mm-hmm. I know my fair share. I also want to be clear for anybody listening, these retrievals that you mentioned, like when you're talking about hormones and then the trigger and whatnot, this is not like you go into the office, you do, you go into the doctor's office and they give you a couple shots and then you come back a couple weeks later and they grab the eggs or they give you another shot. This is you at home injecting yourself or your husband helping and injecting you. And to do that 10 rounds, that's, yeah. And it all has to be time. Your whole, your whole day has to be timed around it. I understand. Right. So this is yeah. many, many months of your life of just effectively stabbing yourself. And yeah. I imagine physically putting yourself through during your, let alone the emotional toll this takes. Yeah. And that's the big thing is like, it's you build up hope and then you're just let down where it's like, 
So somebody who is, let's say, 20 or 30 who have like the expected amount of eggs might be able to retrieve, like they might be able to retrieve from the body, let's say 30, uh, which is a nice number. And so from that, you lose a lot of them as it goes through the process, which is fine because if they're not healthy, you know, that's not going to create a baby. And but somebody from like me, so it's, they retrieve them, they inseminate with the sperm and then you wait to see kind of what gets there. And for me, that means I'm freezing one, two, one time I got three that I got to freeze, which sounds like a great chance, like three potential babies. But when you are, and so I retrieved mostly when I was 42, I'd say. So 42 year old eggs are like maybe uh, one in 10 or one in 20 might actually make a baby. So. It's a lot of, yeah, self-injections at home and going to the office and getting an ultrasound, uh, which is like going up through your vagina until the point of pain um, to try to be able to see things. So we call that Wanda (laughs) because it's like a giant wand that they do an ultrasound with. So yeah, it's super uncomfortable. It's super inconvenient. So this morning, actually, I went uh, and had to be up. Like me getting to work on time is a struggle because I'm not a morning person. And this is me getting up at least two hours, like an hour and a half, two hours early just to be able to get there and then get back to work in time. And you're doing this multiple times. And so the men kind of have it much easier. They really only have one part where they have to produce. And uh, they collect the sample and, you know, everything else is then office taking care of it. So we went through all of that, transferred all of our embryos. I had one, what you call a chemical pregnancy, which is when the embryo sticks, but it doesn't, like, it's almost like an early miscarriage, except the only reason you know you're pregnant is because blood tests tell you. And so, like, there's no heartbeat, there's nothing. So that's usually, like under six weeks, usually under five weeks, somewhere around there. And so, and none of the rest took, which is like, I went through all of that and none of them worked. So we're at the fun point. And this is like this taboo subject that people don't talk about where I wasn't able to have healthy embryos. And my husband seems, he's fine. He's a rock star, apparently. So we had to go through and choose a donor and they like and basically compensate to be able to get her eggs so that we can make embryos so that we can try and have what is called a donor conceived person because they're half somebody we don't actually know like sperm donors back in the day except this is egg donors but like it's this whole process and like you have to know whether or not you're the type who's going to be okay with that or not, you know? And have, how do you feel? Are you the, are you the type of person who is okay with that? Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of a, I'd, I'd like a baby. I'd like children. I don't have any. I had a stepdaughter with a previous marriage and just on contact with her. Um, and, you know, to me, it's, I think most people have the capacity to love a lot of people. Um, and sometimes we limit ourselves. The only, like, and for some people that process is a lot harder, but you 
you grieve that, like you grieve that genetic connection. So I have like a particular look and that when going through like all these egg donors, you're just sort of like, none of them are good enough, right? Because you want them to be exactly you and none of them are exactly you. And why they do this, like, you don't know. I mean, I sort of assume most of it's because they got compensated, but there's some altruism there because not everybody's going around donating eggs. But there's a huge need, um, especially, so I'm white. So especially for people who are other uh, backgrounds that aren't white. So like in New Jersey, of course, I'm like, what, Irish Italian? Because all of us, right? Uh, at least in some combination. And so, yeah, so for like anybody, any people of color, there's not nearly as many options. And so it's really tricky. And it's kind of like dealing with the fact like, your kid may or may not look like you. And um, so we wound up going with this donor who reading just her profile, she sounds so much like me. Um, and so I'm just like, well, at least this kid will may potentially have like the traits that I want, but like, not that I want, but at least they have the option of having traits that I also share so that they'll hopefully at least sort of feel like me. And I don't know. I mean, like, how do we know? Like, I, I think it's just sort of like, I mean, okay, so I've had dogs, like, this is very different. I've had dogs before and you, you love them and like, you just sort of choose them kind of nilly willy and like the loss that they leave when they're gone, like, and the amount of love that you get from them is amazing. And they're just, you know, they don't share our genetics. Um, you choose the person you marry and they don't share your genetics. So like, you kind of just love who you choose to, to some extent. I mean dating wise and all that. But when it comes to like your own offspring, like for me, that part was easy for me. Knowing that I could love the kid is, I don't know. That was just never quest never a question for me, but it's hard. Cause it's, it's like, we see all these like older celebrities. And so I'm in this group. It's like a 40 plus group. And we're all like, clearly these people used egg donors. If they struggled and then went through IVF, the chances of them just naturally all of a sudden getting pregnant is like, zero, especially at like 48 or whatnot. Um, but they don't say like, this is a donor conceived child because people have like so many views on that and they're very strong and it's, it's not really your child and um, kind of figuring out that process and like what that means, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm left wondering too, you know, this is a, like you said, this is something that I would say is one of the this is one of the conversations that's still very stigmatized mm -hmm. um, in a pretty big way. When we do discuss it, people often start offering up their their moral perspective or their opinions. Like you said, people saying, well, is that really your child? Point being, it's a heady thing to figure out. It's a thing that you you probably don't know your opinion on it fully until you are in a situation where you're in it and dealing with it. And you generally don't get to that point until you've already been put through the emotional ringer in a number of ways, right? Yeah. Well, so you go and the first time you go, they're like, well, donor eggs. And you're just like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, don't suggest that to me. I don't need that. And um, I, that was 100% me. It's getting very real. Very much down to the nitty-gritty at this point. And we're going to keep diving in headfirst when we get back. 
Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Thanks to all the advertisers who help us bring this show to the world. Now let's finish off the phone call. You go, and the first time you go, they're like, well, donor eggs, and you're just like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, don't suggest that to me. I don't need that. And um, I, that was 100% me. Like, why would you choose that, you know? Because it's so complicated. It's really... Until you do choose that. So, and at that point, it's injections. It's it's physical pain. It's hormones in your body. It's arranging your day. It's getting bad news multiple times. It's really wild. And, and I am left wondering, too. I, I sit here, I go, you're somebody who your job is to help other people sort out you know, there's many ways to describe a therapist, but one way you could describe it is you help people navigate murky waters of things that they're struggling with. And there must have been days where you had to go to work and do that and apply all these techniques that you've studied and learned when you're probably in the middle of some real tumultuous feelings or thoughts. That must make it, it must be a real head-spinning time. Yeah, and most of the population I work with, this hasn't really come up yet. Um, so like in that sense, at least, I mean, not since I've started, um, the whole IVF journey and I'm very, I'm very good at like, if I like put it out of my mind, like it's in, in therapy world, it's compartmentalization. It's like taking that and just shoving it in a box and putting it in a filing cabinet and closing it up and locking it up and just leaving it there. Cause I have a job to do. And my job is to focus on what's going like what's right in front of me. Um, and in that sense, like, you know, and then you're in the middle of a session and I do all virtual. So you're in the middle of a session, the phone rings and you're like, oh, I need to take this call, but like, I can't really, cause somebody's talking about something really important. And like, this is not the time to be like, Hey, this is my doctor. Let me just, can I, you just pause for one second, which I have done plenty of times, but like, it depends on the person. It depends on the time. It depends on, like where you're at and where they're at. So yeah, it's, I mean, I've been doing this long enough that you kind of get some distance from it. Um, I do a lot of trauma work. Um, not like the caller you had recently, like she's pretty amazing. And so mine is like, I'm a little bit, I have a specific population I work with, but um, I kind of don't want to disclose that. No, will, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It will pinpoint me a little bit too much. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, there is that component. And just like the grief aspect of it. Like, I mean, and I'm lucky. I mean, there are some women who have gotten pregnant and then had losses at like 20 weeks of pregnancy or in this day and age because of the whole like Roe v. Wade and the change in some of the laws are kind of um, having to figure out how to terminate because or uh, resolve a miscarriage because uh, they're not in states that are really friendly for that. 
anymore. And, you know, and these are people wanting to have a child, but, and pain. Uh, I mean, IVF is crazy expensive. Like, I'm lucky I had insurance that covered a majority of it at this point where paying out of pocket for everything, but it's crazy. I mean, it can easily be like 30,000 per cycle. Wild. And you've done it 10 times. Yes. But I I self-paid for meds instead. um, Cause the, like the best bang for your buck is to like have the retrievals covered. Cause that saves you a lot more money. Like there's all these like tricks and like stuff. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, 100% don't recommend. So anybody who's thinking about it, find out what your egg reserve is by like at the absolute latest 35. Because then at least you know and you can figure out what you want to do. And um, so like I actually, when I got divorced and I don't know why I didn't think about it, it just like wasn't even on my brain. I wish at that time I had frozen my eggs and like I, you know, possibly could have avoided so much of this. Um, and I mean, I'm going to be thrilled with the child I do get and this, like the donor conceived story that they'll have. And, you know, at some point, hopefully be able to connect with that donor because that's also super important. Um, donor conceived people like kind of say that that's like, you know, kind of like being adopted. Like if you find out you're adopted at like 30, it's trauma. If you find out when you're like 10, it's trauma. If you've sort of always known then it's a little bit different. And if you, you know, be able to try to have a connection with your um, genetic family. Although I think I could call it technically like your bio family, but I haven't really quite dealt with that term yet. I figure I have at least nine months to kind of work through that stuff. Nine plus. So have you, are you, does that mean you've, have you implanted the, a, a donor embryo? So my body is, um, being a dick right now. And so I was supposed to just have one cycle off waiting for my period. And I needed to move like the, the donor embryos needed to be moved. And so they weren't going to like, but I was, I I had to kind of wait a cycle for them to get there in time for me to move forward. And so now I like, I realized like two days ago, I'm like, I haven't gotten my period in over 50 days. And because I was like purposely trying not to think about it. Cause I'm like, I just want to get there. And my body's like, Nope, no period for you. I mean, how often do you want your period? Not often, but like, so yeah. So I went this morning <laughs> to find out like what's going on with my body and my body. I don't know what it's doing, but I think I may have a cyst, which I've never had before. Oh, but of course now when I just want to move forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm, it's, you know, nice and shiny and huge and, so obviously there, and uh, I'll have to wait and see what they tell me to do. I haven't gotten the blower back to know. They'll send me a message at some point. So I don't know if that needs to be resolved or I'll get my period and it will resolve. But knowing how my body is right now, chances are I'll have to wait another month before I can do anything. And I'm like just ready to move on. I mean, we've been trying for... and. Some people are trying way longer. We've been trying since like 2020. Like, so if you all remember when the pandemic started, that is when we started trying. And like, here we are, where I have friends who have like two kids already. And I'm just like, nope, still. Right. And then you go through all those feelings. You go through all those feelings of like, I'm, I'm so happy for you when your kid is born because you're my friend and I have love for you and I have love for the kid. And also, 
Mm-hmm. It's the emotion, the emotional backlash of like, I don't want to be around your kid right now. And then the feelings of accompanying guilt that come with that. There's all sorts of, all sorts of things that I imagine get thrown in your face and are nobody's fault, but you have emotional reactions, let alone we all remember. Everyone remembers during the pandemic, it would be like you'd stub your toe and it would feel like 10 times worse somehow. Or, you you know, you'd, <laughs> you'd get an email from somebody where they didn't say please or thank you. And you'd sit there and go, do they hate me? And, and everything felt worse, let alone this, which everyone, I'm sure everyone listening has either been through this or knows someone who has. And man, to put that also under the magnifying glass of the pandemic and how it made all feelings feel bigger, yeesh, I do not envy you these last few years. Well, there's no distraction from it. So yeah, it's on your mind. And then you're in these groups talking to other, uh, you know, women, mostly women. So women, the men that love them and are involved and um, people... What is that? I forget the term. I know there's a piece, like a correct term. I was going to say PC, but PC sounds out too. I know there's a correct term, but it's uh, escaping me. No, the one thing that bugs me, so like it doesn't bother me so much. Like I don't begrudge other people having like their babies because like I want that for everybody who wants it. But there are some people who I'm friends with and like from college who have, let's say, five plus children and post on social media. And like, I don't, the only reason I'm even on like some of it is because of these groups that I need to like be able to like make sure I know what I'm doing and things are going right. And like, you know, just kind of checking in and they're like constantly posting about like, you know, them and their like five children and like, and it's just, I know it's not like if they knew how much it bothered me and it's like one person in particular and like, I love that couple. (laughs) They're wonderful. They're the sweetest couple. Um, and so, and they're, you know, <laughs> numerous children. And like, but like, come on, why is it so easy for you? You just keep on popping them out. Like, you just look at each other and you're pregnant again. And there's another child. And like, actively, actively trying. And yeah, so that's really the only, like, that's the only one that rubs me. But I know for a lot of people, like, all of that's a bit of a struggle. So... Yeah. That's cute. That sounds like you have a great head on your shoulder. If you only have one friend who's annoying about their kids on Instagram to the point where it bothers you when you're in the midst of what you're going through, that speaks (laughs) very highly of you. Because I think everyone out here has more than one friend who annoys them with their Instagram posts about their kids. I've probably done that to listeners of this show from time to time, where I post an annoying little cutesy thing and people are like, ugh. I think everybody has those friends. So it sounds like you're handling this remarkably well. Cause I know it's a lot of it's a lot of pain. It's a lot of physical struggle and emotional self-questioning. And uh, it sounds like you're handling it really, really well. Yeah. I'm I mean my husband is a pretty he's a pretty good trooper with it too. Like anytime like we get these disappointments, I can see how much it affects him. But like he just sort of goes along. Like, I mean, I don't want to say goes along. Like, I'm just pulling him along. But, like, he just supports me through it all in that sense. And so, so despite my first husband being an ass, uh, to quote my therapist when I saw when I was going through divorce, I'm like, you see a therapist. Um, I think I used the term narcissistic, and my therapist responded, sociopathic, don't you think? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay, so it's not just me. Okay, just making sure. 
So yeah, so going from that to my husband who is like a much kinder person than I, I say this all the time. He's so much like kinder and nicer than I am. Um, and like, you know, he's just such a sweet guy. So I, my, my second marriage is fantastic. And um, yeah, so I mean, I can't imagine going through this with anybody else. So him and his good fertility genes. <laughs> so. so you've got your... Your donors contributed the eggs, the embryos are frozen, they're ready to go, and we're just waiting to get on the other side of this of this information regarding a cyst. Yes. That is wow. that is the plan. There's so many places there's Hopefully. so many points in this journey where it must feel like you're almost at the finish line and then you f- find out no, we're not even, we're not close to the finish line. Yeah, so I had an ectopic uh, through my IUI actually. And after that, I decided, like, I'm not, like, to me, it's not, I'm not pregnant until I hear a heartbeat. And for whatever reason, that worked for me. So, like, even with the the one, the chemical that I had, I mean, it's super disappointing, but it's not, like, you're not, I don't know, really feeling lost. Because at that point, it's just really a bunch of cells and it doesn't really look like anything. So, yeah. So, I am going to hate to do this, but I have, like, two minutes left. Because as a therapist, all my appointments are on the hour. Oh, whoa. <laughs> so you're one of the only callers that's call, ever going to cut things off, ever. Wow, okay. I, I don't want to, but let me tell you, my, my, this is an angry person. And so I, like, I can be like two or three minutes late, which sounds really shitty as a therapist. But like, I don't really want to keep him waiting because, you know, some of, some of my clients, yeah, they're, this one in particular is kind of a very angry one, which I really feel for him. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun stuff. I mean, and so, yeah, I was like, she's like, it might be up to 15 minutes. I'm like, oh no, but then two o'clock is going to come faster. So, and I could have led with that, but I'm like, eh, let's just play it by ear and see where we get. Well, I'm bummed because <laughs> we could talk all day about this. There's so much more to discuss. Yeah, I know. And I could, because it's like, I know so much more than I ever wish I knew. Um. And I, you know, wouldn't want, and you know, like it's something like one in 10 families go through fertility issues um, and are easily resolved. Um, The other thing I, I, I'm also like, I'm a fat woman. And the first fertility clinic I went to was like, okay, so we'll run all these tests and then we're going to find out that, or, and then afterwards, going to find out that you don't have a whole lot of eggs left. So you don't really have time, but you need to lose 60 pounds before we can do anything and it's just like so you just told me like 60 pounds is not like I think it was even more than that but I'm like that's impossible so I left that appointment and like down the page it was like so you're going to need to do this and then your BMI needs to be below this and then you're going to need to do this and your BMI needs to be below this and like five different times or four different times on that page she wrote like what my BMI needs to be and it's just like I love that in tears and um, yeah, the medical bias against large bodies is really shitty and IVF is another area for it, but there are clinics who work with you. You just have to know where they are and find them. Yeah. I'm also left, you know, there's two thoughts that come up because there's so many times you've said in this call of like, I'm, I'm not going to consider a pregnancy till I hear a heartbeat or a chemical pregnancy. And, 
there's some people listening who I'm sure are going, see how human life is so precious and how we need to cradle it from the very con- moment of conception. And then I re- hear things like that and I go, and the counter argument that you can get from the same exact set of experiences is, man, women's bodies are theirs and everyone needs to shut up about women's choices with their bodies. And you could you could conceivably yeah. have both reactions from from this exact experience. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Yeah, and that's a an interesting like aspect of it too. And so like I'm seeing it with people. Like I, I heard a story of somebody who should have been able to just get medication in the quiet of their doctor's office, but because the laws had changed, um, instead of paying the twenty dollar copay and medication fee, they had to go to the hospital where they had to wait for hours and eventually got the medication they need and have a two thousand dollar bill. Wow. And like and and ectopics will never become babies. They are not in the right place, and they are the number one reason why women die in the first trimester. So that's important and significant. And I mean, and I know people have different opinions on it, um, but that's just torture. So I mean, again, luckily I'm in Jersey, and Jersey's pretty protected. At least it is right now. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, we tend to be pretty blue. Not everywhere, but as a whole. Not Ocean County. Not Ocean County. But outside of that. Outside (laughs) of that. It's sort of like north, west, and south, east kind of get more red for sure. Yeah. But even those red areas are like still liberal compared to lots of other parts of the country. Yeah. Well, I want you to know I I am rooting for you so hard. I'm so sorry you've been put through the ringer the way you have. And I know this is an emotional thing. So I'm certain there's a lot of people hearing this right now who are going through their version of it or are right next to somebody who is going through their version of it. And I think this is really going to help. And and uh, especially your a few times your insistence that anyone thinking of having kids start talking to doctors about it in their <laughs> mid-30s to, to help. Yeah keep you know keep themselves from going down what has to be a very lonely at times and and emotionally draining road i think is much appreciated yeah yeah well it's just that concept that women can have babies anytime and i mean up until like 50 and so i kind of put it off thinking like oh well you know if we need help it's there and it's like well not exactly if you're lucky it is and i've certainly known people over 40 or know of people who've gotten pregnant um, and had successful pregnancies, but it, it's, <laughs> I commented to one of my friends, I'm like, this like 40 plus group, we're sort of like a bag of like sad sacks, right? <laughs> just yeah. all of our losses and all of our hopes and all of our dreams. And it's just like, you know? <laughs> wow. That is, that is a hell of a note to end on right there. <laughs> I mean, I, and you know what's funny? I'm like, well, please won't be like a sad call. And I'm like, ugh. And we just talked about like IVF and like the crappiness of it, but like, yeah, you know, us and me and my sad sex hopefully get pregnant. (laughs) I don't think it has been a sad call. I think it's been a realistic (laughs) call and a sobering call and a frank call, but I don't think it's been sad. I don't think it's crossed into sad sack. I think it's got hope inside it. And I think that's very evident and it makes me feel a lot of hope for you and anyone out there who's going through it right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty hopeful. But then it's like there are people who even with donor, um, it still doesn't work. 
And like the fear is real that like, what if after all of this, it's just my husband and I. You're in it and you'll have some decisions to make. And I hope it doesn't, I hope though, I hope it doesn't come, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope everything works exactly the way you want it to. And that the finish line actually shows up this time. Yeah, that is the hope. And I'm, you know, pretty, pretty optimistic about it, but I think it's like if I get through like three donor embryos and them still not sticking, like, uh, I mean, the one benefit is though I know based on testing, which is pretty statistically accurate, that we have a bunch of normal embryos. So like we know that these are like healthy and not, it's like potentially going to be like have um, genetic issues that like where, because it's like when your DNA splits, sometimes it doesn't split correctly because it's like half like one side of the DNA Felix from each parent. And so when they split, if they don't split correctly, then there can be a lot of genetic issues. And so, I mean, that's just sort of what I assume happened because again, because of my age. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I know you have to go. I don't, I don't want you uh, pushing things. Oh, I just heard some beeping. I'm logging on. Sorry. Oh, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just getting back in. All so, right, so all right. From here. Yeah, I wish it was an hour, but thank oh, you, Chris. Please. I appreciate it. And thank, thank you. you. For the well wishes. Good luck with everything. <laughs> all and, right. Uh, I hope someday we do a follow-up where you tell me, where it's you and a screaming baby, and you tell me how little sleep you're getting and how you're <laughs> in over your head on that side of things. I hope that's the next set of problems. <laughs> At the right age of 45, when you don't have as much energy as you did when you were 30. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you talk about your kid, like you being an old dad, if we have our baby, you got nothing on us then. Okay. Good to know. Good. Well, it is a competition. I am in competition with each individual caller. So. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. No. <laughs> All right. Well, I have to go. Go, my angry person. go save the world one human at a time. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. All right. Bye. Caller. Thank you so much, so sincerely, and thank you for both the call, and if there's any reason you're going to cut your call short, it's hopefully because you are someone in private practice helping communities in need sort out their mental health. What a good reason to have to cut a call short. Thank you so much for everything you do, and good luck. This show is produced by Anita Flores. It's engineered by Jared O'Connell. Our theme song is by Shell Shell. Go to chrisgeth.com if you want to know more about me, and hey, wherever you're listening, can hit subscribe, favorite, follow. There's a button. It says something like that. It helps us so much when you hit that button. You can find our latest merch at podswag.com. And if you like the podcast, the absolute best thing you can do to help, share it with a friend. Just me.